Are you ready for the words? When it's coming through? I love messing with the sound man, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just going to set some time for things to go together. <laughs> He's going to bash me when I get to the end, I tell you. I'm looking forward to uh, the next little few weeks ahead. Uh, this morning I'm, I'm launching a new series. And it's something I have been walking through for a little while in um, something personally that I felt that God has laid upon my heart. And I've, I've seen actually God taking me on this journey for probably about six to seven years. And it's been that long because I'm a bit thick. <laughs> and it's taken that long to, for me to catch up and get with the program. Um, but I know that you guys are absolutely smarter than I am, so you're going to catch this up like fantastic. It's something that uh, I agree. So I, I think that it's something that uh, God has really been uh, taking us on this journey in and through. So I'm looking forward to the next few weeks ahead. And, and this morning is really important because it's, it, it lays a bit of a foundation uh, for the series. And I, I would pray that as you listen to the words that I speak, that you're going to feel a stirring in your spirit. In fact, I've been praying that very thing in the preparation of this message. My prayer has been, Lord, would you stir something within us? Would you put something within us that would, would absolutely resonate, that it feels like spirit-to-spirit -spirit talk, that it's something that I feel your Holy Spirit has been moving in me and through me. In, in this message. So, oh Lord, I pray this morning that in all of my preparation, it comes down now to you speaking into the lives of your people. And I know that this is a message that is on your heart. I've seen so many different things that have aligned themselves and have positioned me in, in ways of being able to see and understand what you're saying. And I pray, Holy Spirit, stir within us Stir within us, stir deeply within us. Transform our understanding. Give us understanding from your word. Give us knowledge, but more importantly, give us wisdom in how to apply what it is that you're speaking to us to. I ask you, Holy Spirit, quicken us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. The title of this series is called It's Tool Time. And as the series unfolds, you'll get to understand why that is. This year, earlier this year, we had Pastor Paul Bartlett come and talk to us as a church. Uh, he's the senior pastor of Lighthouse Church in New South Wales in Wollongong. He is the author of the book, Thank God It's Monday. And it's a very good book. I would heartily recommend it to you as a, as a, a, a resource to read about actually empowering you in your Monday to Saturday life. You know, it's quite often we come to the end of the week and we thought, thank God it's Friday. You know, we've finished our week. I can just get on doing what I, I you know, I know and just feeds me and, and empowers me. And I feel like, you know, that's what God's called me to do. And we fail to realize that God's actually called us to be active and present within our workplaces and within our Monday to, to Saturday lives, much more importantly. And I, I believe that Sunday is important, but you know what? Your greatest area of effectiveness is going to be in your workplace, in your street, with your neighbors, with your family 
family and your friends as you sit down for a coffee in a cafe and, and various things of that nature. So I know that this is something that God's been really lay, laboring with us. Uh, he, he spoke, uh, Pastor Paul Bartlett, when he came, he spoke to us about valuing and serving our community and loving our communities. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, and these are Jesus' words, he says, as you go into the world, as we're going about what we're doing, as we're going into our workplace, as we're going into the shopping centers, as we're going into the schools, he says, talk to people openly about the wonderful news of the gospel to everyone that you meet. That's, you know, what Jesus was encouraging us to do. So it's, it's, we do it on our way in our day. It's not something that we do separate. It's, it's just being naturally who we are. God has, has gifted us to, to be able to reach out to the people in and around about us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29 says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. So Everyone say wisdom. Wisdom. So with all the wisdom that God has given us. So we, we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that God has given to us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. And that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power working in me. Paul says that we need to tell everyone about Jesus. He is the message. Jesus is the message. But we've got to do it with wisdom. There's this area of our lives where we've got to do it with wisdom. Colossians chapter 3.16. You see like trends or patterns in Scripture like John 3.16. Really important Scripture. Well, can I suggest to us this morning that Colossians 3.16 is another important scripture that we need to take on board and start to think about in our lives, maybe our devotional times, maybe you think about it, write it down on a card or whatever. But this is what Colossians chapter 3.16 says. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. What a great scripture. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives, this passage says. See, has the message about Christ filled our lives? Has it really filled our lives? Are we engaging in a conversation, not a dialogue? with the people around about us, with all wisdom? Are we using relational wisdom? Are we using conversational wisdom? Are we using spiritual wisdom as we start to engage in ongoing spiritual conversations with the people in our world? Colossians 1, 28 to 29 out of the Passion Translation says, Christ is our message. We speak to awaken hearts and bring everyone into the full understanding of truth. And Paul says this. I love this. He says, it's become my inspiration and passion to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me. I've got to tell you, this passage has gripped me. 
This is what I sense in my heart and my spirit and my, my mind has taken place within me. That I have suddenly got this inspiration and passion to labor with a tireless intensity, with God's power re, re, uh, flowing through me because Christ is the message and I want to get to, to introduce people to the truth of God's message. It's going to be tough work this morning. All right. We're called to our communities to be the church, to be salt and light, to be witnesses for Jesus. Is that a fair statement? I mean, if we understand the Bible and what it says about things, then we understand that that is the truth, is it not? We are salt, we are light, we are a witness. We've been given power to be witnesses. So the sad truth is this, though, that the church, us, not the building, us, the church, okay, we've not engaged others with the message about Christ with all wisdom. We haven't done it well. We've told people who live and believe differently from us that they need to repent, that they need to give their lives to Jesus or else they're going to hell. Gee, I wonder why we've not been successful. Our message is Christ. Love and grace. Love and grace. We want people we live in and around to be awakened to a full understanding that Christ is grace and truth. But our language has been law and punishment. Or it's been timid and reluctant. Or it's lacking in authenticity. Or we've simply remained silent because we've thought more about what others think about us. It's come down to our reputation. But if I talk about Jesus, I'm going to be labelled a Bible thumper. Uh, I'm going to be labelled one of those, oh, you're one of those Christians, are you? And, And if that's the worst that can happen to us in our week... When someone else in Saudi Arabia who stands up for their faith of of professing Christ can actually be sent to prison or even killed because of professing their faith, it's a small price to pay, church. See, I I carry some of the, the responsibility personally for the way that we have failed to equip God's people for the work of ministry. The work of ministry, the work of serving our community and the people around about. To equip God's people for that, to make disciples, to reach the lost. And this morning, I stand before you as your pastor, and I ask you to forgive me for not doing that. But from this moment forward, I want to say to you that I'm going to equip us to do this. It's tool time. It is tool time, church. It is tool time. But you know what? It's not all bad news. There's a lot of ringing. Damien, can you just fix that? Thank you. It's not all bad news. There are those who reach out to our communities with the message of truth and grace, and they do it really, really well. They are very, very good at doing that. But how do they do that? How do they reach out to the people around about them and they share the message about Jesus. They share Christ. They, they become the message. They, they do that. Some, some do it so easily that, that they almost like do it intuitively. It's just who they are. That's how they are. Their person, we, we write it off to personality. But ask them how they do that. 
And often they can't explain it, they just do it. Oh, I, I don't know how to do it, I just do it. I just look for points of connection and I just do it. You know, they, 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 they can't quantify how they do that. But for many of us, we don't know how to share the message of, our, of Christ with our, our communities. We don't feel equipped to engage with people who believe different or live different from us and who are far from God. Many of us haven't been trained to have a spiritual conversation with others in our world. And so sadly, many of us have, tr- have given up even trying. We no longer talk about our faith. We remain quiet about what we do on a Sunday morning. We don't tell people about our connect group. We don't tell people about the wonderful things that God is doing us to us in the moments that we read our Bible and things like that. George Barner said this. He said, perhaps the most obvious observation is most unchurched people aren't being pursued by anyone. That's a powerful statement when you start to think about it. So how do we engage in a talk with someone about spiritual things? How do we talk to people and have a spiritual conversation or an ongoing spiritual conversation with the people in our world? John 7 verse 15 to 16 says this. The people were surprised when they heard Jesus. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? Jesus told them, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me. See, people were surprised by the the teaching of Jesus. They saw him as untrained. The world saw him as being untrained by human standards. He hadn't gone to the schools that they'd learned in. They hadn't gone to the university that they'd gone. There was no online course that they could recognize that Jesus had done because you know they, they just didn't see him doing that. So by earthly standards, they saw him as someone who was untrained. But I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus says, the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me clearly defines for me that Jesus was under mandate. He'd been trained. He'd been mentored. He'd been uh, uh, led by the Spirit. Her father was speaking to him. Jesus himself said, I only say what I hear the father say, and I only do what I see the father do. Because he's on this, tra- this training resume, or this, this process of, of the father by the Spirit is leading Jesus to do the things that he's doing. And if Jesus needed to follow the Spirit and was being trained by God to be able to do that, isn't it reasonable to expect that if we are to have these, these ongoing spiritual conversations with the people in our world who are far from God, don't we need help to be able to do that too? It's tool time. It is tool time, church. Jesus took advantage of opportunities and was intentional and deliberate because he was being trained. I've learned something. I've not been trained in how to have spiritual conversations with the people who are far from God. And I would suggest that many of us here today are in the same boat. No one has sat us down and said, if you start to use these tools... If you start to use this methodology, if you start to use these sorts of ways of reaching out to the people around about us, we are going to be able to engage people in a spiritual conversation. Sadly, what we've heard is that we need to stand on a soapbox on a street corner and preach to people as they're going past, telling them that they need to get their lives right, pray a prayer, and hopefully they won't go to hell. That's the way that we view evangelism. 
See, I've engaged in a monologue, not a dialogue with people. I told them what I thought that they needed to know, and rarely did I ever ask them where they were at. Why do you believe what you believe? Help me to understand the process. Help me understand your life story. Tell me about what what you've been through that has brought you to this place. Instead, I've just said, you need Jesus. That's not been the answer they've been looking for. That's not the value that we place in people as we start to engage them in a conversation. Or the other way that I've done this is that I've invited people to church so that they could experience church as it is, what it's like, so that they might then want to give their lives to Jesus because of how good church was. Instead of experience Jesus for himself, for himself. But these approaches haven't worked for me personally. Okay? I've never had anyone who I've invited to church give their hearts to Jesus when they come. In fact, I can't remember the last time that I invited someone to, to, to church and they actually came. Anyone else in that same boat with me? You're inviting people, you're saying, come to church, it's great, you love it, and stuff like that. And we rarely get people say, I'd love to come to church with you. Sounds exciting. I've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning, let me come. In fact, I'll fight, I'll be there early. I can't get Christians early. How am I going to get them early? That was the other church down the road I was talking about. Jesus never told me to invite people to church. He told me to share the good news about Jesus. As I was living a normal life. Here's something else I've come to learn as well. That just as much as there are different seeds that can be sown into the ground in a garden and different tools that can be used for different jobs from a toolbox, so there are so many ways that we can engage with the people that we are with. Here's my frustration, okay? What I'm doing now isn't working. Here's my challenge. Something's got to change. I don't know about you, if you're continually praying for your loved ones, your family, your friends to come to Christ, I would think that you would be. I mean, you've experienced something that has dramatically changed your life. It's, it's changed your, 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 your perception, uh, the way that you think, the way that you now live. Uh, this is my hope. This is what's happening. And you want your family and friends who don't know Christ to experience that same level of freedom and liberty that you've walked into. So you're praying for them. But what we're doing now isn't working. What we're doing now and asking people to come to church is not working. Telling them that they need, to, they need Jesus, they need God to, to change their lives is not working. We've got to enter into an ongoing spiritual conversation with the people in our worlds to start to understand where they're coming from. If we don't know where they're coming from, how can we ever continue to walk with them and have God speak to them as we come into this journey? The message doesn't change. Christ is the message. But the way that I engage with the people and deliver the message of Christ must change. And as a church, we're about to embark on this series that I believe has the power to completely transform the way that we reach our community. 
Each week, I'm going to be giving us a tool to use as a seed to plant, maybe, that will help us to bring transformation to our community. Because, see, Jesus didn't say, go and make a disciple. He said for us to go and disciple the nations. See, I believe he's talking more about transforming a person and is more pointing towards the transformation of our communities. We start with one person, but Jesus is after our town. He's after our city. He's after the nations that are around the world. But it starts with one person. I believe this is what God wants us to do. So this series will provide us with tools to help us to engage in an ongoing spiritual conversation with the people that we meet, that we work with, that we live with, and that we encounter in our days. So this, ba- this book okay, uh, is based on a book. Okay, If uh, I can have uh, Damien just put up the, the book on the screen for you. This book here is called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. I'm going to say right here, title sucks. It's a horrible title for a book. It doesn't draw me in. In fact, it it would probably, uh, like many of you thinking, what is this about? I found this book by accident. I found it in Kurong Bookshop on a shelf in the evangelism section, whilst Jane was actually looking for the Daniel Plan stuff in that same section. Not the evangelism section, but in the wealthy, healthy well-being bit. So I, I just the, the, just caught me because I, I knew that God was talking to me about how do we engage in conversations with, with the people in our world. I want to say to you that this book has been profound in helping me to start to answer the prayer that I had prayed the very morning that I picked this book up for the very first time. That morning in my devotional time, my prayer was, God, help me to talk to the people about you. Help me to talk to people that don't know you about you. God, help me to see someone saved. Because I don't know about anyone else. It concerns me deeply that I'm not seeing and leading people to Christ. I don't want to be one of the nine out of ten people that go to heaven without ever having led someone to Christ. That, that, that statistic disturbs me. And I've, I've made it my personal mission in life that that will not be said of me. I am determined to do whatever is necessary to make whatever changes are, are necessary in my approach to people that don't know Christ so that I adjust the way that I am reaching out to the people so that they can start to understand and they, I can go on this journey with them and reveal Jesus to them in the process. This book has completely changed the way that I approach sharing the message about Christ with the people that I meet each day. I've already seen some wonderful fruit as a result of having read this book and starting to put into practice some of the very simple, wise principles that it it talks about. It's not a hard read. It's not a hard book to read. It's not hard to understand, but it is simple practical and wise in what it says and it helps so with a a fresh perspective and simple everyday practices i believe that any christian can engage in the great commission and live a great commission lifestyle so my question 
to you is, what kinds of feelings does evangelism stir up within you? How does your heart beat for evangelism? If you were to define evangelism, how would you define it? Matthew chapter 10 verse 42 out of the message version says this, This is a large work that I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed. It's best to start small. Give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You don't lose out on a thing, the Bible says. See, we all know the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus commands us all to go and make disciples of all the nations. But evangelism has become the hobby of a small minority. Many believe evangelism is the role of the paid professionals, the pastor, the evangelists in the churches. But the Great Commission was given to all disciples of Jesus. So here's a a bit of a test for you this morning. I've asked this of myself. What grade would I give myself for making disciples or engaging in evangelism? An A? No. A B? It's a bit above average. No. C? Just average. No. D? I'm below average. No. I'll give myself an F. That's an honest appraisal of my evangelistic efforts. I'm failing at this. What grade would you give yourself? Don't feel guilty about it. Don't, don't, don't get condemnation about it. This is something we're going to work through. What, what grade would you give our church? How can we as Christians share the good news? If evangelism really is good news... There must be a way for all of us to be involved, not just a select few. Jesus wouldn't have made it that hard that it discounts the major percentage of the body of Christ from the excitement, the life of adventure that evangelism involves. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 39, goes on to say that loving God and others is the foundation of the Great Commission. We've got to love God and we've got to love people. It's as simple as that. You don't love God, you don't love people, then you know, it's going to be uphill, really. But what if we shifted our, our focus to the little stuff, to the simple practices, the small behaviors, because little things seem to matter to Jesus? Because like I say, you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of mine, then you've done this for me. Giving a cup of cold water is a little thing. It's, it's a small practice. And all of us are capable of doing that. It's little things, I think, mattered to Jesus. It's the simple things, the, the small ways that, we, that, that can help us to earn the right to be heard by people when we start to share the gospel. Cups of cold water, simple 
conversational practices. We're not that good at casual conversations, let alone spiritual conversations. To live a Great Commission lifestyle, we all need to improve in our conversational ability. For this to be sustainable, we need simple, memorable activities that can be done by anyone as a part of a normal routine providing a pathway to spiritual conversations and engaging in those with people. Getting good at ongoing spiritual conversations with those who believe differently from us is an art that takes practice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9, Paul says this, Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. We did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God that made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God made it grow. See, it's important that the, the important part of it is that God makes the seed grow. And just as there are many numerical seeds that we can plant, so the, the, the more seed you plant, the greater the harvest. Okay, that's the law of sowing and reaping. But there's also many different types of seed that we can plant. Okay? Here's the catch. For God to make it grow, we've got to sow the seed. We've got to sow the seed. There's got to be a seed that God can work with before he can ever make it grow. If there's no seed that's, that's planted, he can't make it grow. Can I suggest to us this morning that those seeds that are contained in the nine arts of this book, the nine simple wise practices of engaging in ongoing spiritual conversations with people who believe and live differently to us are possible. There's true wisdom in these nine simple practices. And here they are. This is the, uh, the, the summation of this book is in the next few words. Noticing is an art. Praying is an art. Listening is an art. Asking questions is an art. Loving people is an art. Welcoming. You know that thing called friendly, facilitating, serving together, and sharing our faith with others. I find it interesting that sharing our faith is the last one of the arts because the others are so important before we ever get to share our faith. Only this last week, I had an opportunity. I, I noticed someone in my community. Jane and I had had a busy, or not a busy day, we, we'd spent out uh, time on Monday public holiday to celebrate Jane's mum's 75th uh, birthday. We came home and we we're sitting at the front just enjoying each other's company and we've got a vacant block opposite our, ho our home. And the grass, I kid you not, is up to here, or it was, up to here on me. And I saw the gentleman that's just purchased the block getting it ready, and he had a lawnmower to do that, a handheld pushed 
motorised lawnmower. I looked at Jane, I said, I can't sit here and watch this guy do that for the next few hours. I noticed him. I saw the struggle that he was going through. I noticed him. I noticed what he was doing. And in the back of my mind, I've got the Holy Spirit saying, that's the first step, buddy. What are you going to do? I said to Jane, I've got to go and get changed. I'll get my uh, motorised, you know, more power. (laughs) It's tool time. I got it out. And for the next two hours, I helped my neighbour cut his lawn or cut cut the grass. And we never finished the job. It was just massive what we needed to do. It's the first step. It was noticing. It's as simple as that. That's, that's, That's one of the arts. But how wise is it? Just how many of us race through life and we fail to notice the people around about us, the people that are hurting, the people that need help, the people that just need a glass of water? In Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 44, Jesus says that a tree is recognized by its fruit. No tree can produce fruit that is outside of its DNA. You know, orange trees produce oranges, apple trees produce apples, and so on. The statement that Jesus makes could be applied to both individuals and churches. What is our DNA? Are we reproducing fruit from our lives? Are we reproducing disciples? And if we're not, something's got to change, church. Something's got to change. I cannot see myself not leading someone to Christ and engaging and and going on a journey with them? Do we feel like the the fruit that we are producing? What what do we feel about it? What does it tell us about the kind of church that we are? What does it say about the kind of people that we are in the fruit that we're reproducing? Though Jesus commissioned all of his followers to go and bear fruit, to make disciples, he clearly revealed in John 15 that we are powerless to bear any kind of fruit without abiding in Christ. Part of abiding in Christ is to live the way that he lived and to follow his example. The art of spiritual conversations are practices that we can clearly identify in the way that Jesus met with people and interacted with people. It's coming back to the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus was walking along a street and he saw Zacchaeus up a tree. He noticed Zacchaeus. Jesus is about to choose 12 disciples who he was going to call apostles. What did he do? He prayed for them overnight. A man comes along to him and says, how can I, he wanted to test Jesus, he says, how can I have eternal life? So, so Jesus has heard the question and what he's done is say, well, how do you read the law of Moses? What does it say? He's engaged him in a conversation. He's heard what this man said. He's listened to him and he's bounced back with a question. So we can drill down on what people really believe. Let me explain this in a way that I hope that I can unfold for us today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 to 21 under the New International Version, it says this. I'll just read this passage, then I'll break it down a little bit. 
It says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's God reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In verse 16, Paul says we no longer look at people from a worldly point of view. In other words, we see people with the eyes of Jesus. The first three arts of the spiritual conversations is actually looking at people through the eyes of Jesus and seeing them in a whole new way. It's noticing, it's praying, it's listening to them. It's, it's saying, God, what do you see in this person? What's happening here? What are you already doing in this person's life that I can partner together with you in what you're doing? See, Jesus did that. God, God the Father, what are you doing in this moment here? There's this, the funeral procession's coming towards me. What are you doing? He's, Father said, I'm raising people to life. So Jesus goes over there and he lays hands on this young boy who's dead, raises him up to life and gives him back to his mum. In verse 18, Paul says Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry actually implies active and tangible ways for people to experience this reconciliation. So the next three are in the arts of conversations is asking questions, loving people and welcoming them. You know, like being hospitable towards them. In verse 20, Paul says, uh, calls us to be Christ's ambassadors entrusted with a message of reconciliation. The message needs to be proclaimed, and that happens as we facilitate ongoing spiritual conversations. We serve together with the people around about us, and we share our faith. That's why I love what Tony's trying to organize through the Minister's Fellowship around our, our, our communities, around the Adelaide Hills, is that there is a ministry of serving the people in our community by groups of people coming together, and we serve serve those people. We go and cut their lawn. We go and trim their trees. We're serving together with the people of our community. They can see that we value what they've got going on in their world. They're saying, why are you doing this? It opens a door of conversation to have with someone about spiritual things. It's tool time. It's tool time. This is my toolbox. I know that some of you would find it hard to believe that I have a toolbox. You may think, does he really have a toolbox? Yes, he does. This is my toolbox. It's got a rag. Don't leave home without it. I'm telling you, you need a rag. Okay, clean up a mess afterwards. But but here's the deal. Okay, there's there's different tools in here. I I have Allen keys. I do. I do know what they're for. They're for doing stuff up and undoing stuff. Okay? Because not always, you can't always have a hammer to, to, to knock a screw in. I, I've, I've, got, I've got a socket. Excellent for tightening stuff and, un, and, and untightening stuff. I've got several. 
in down here, I've got pliers. You still got that loose tooth sack? <laughs> it's for gripping stuff. It can be used for cutting wire, things like that. It's very clever. I, I, I've got spanners. The, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. For me to be effective in using those tools and making quality things, I've got to practice with those tools. I have to practice with those tools. Just like you have to practice with the nine arts of spiritual conversations. It takes practice to start to notice people. It takes practice to ask the Father. You've not spoken to the person but you're praying for the person. Lord, what are you already doing in this person's world? What are you already speaking to this person that you want me to partner with? How can I best pray for this person, Holy Spirit? Listening to them. List, truly listening to the people around. It takes practice to do that. Think about driving a car. Okay? You don't just jump into a car and then go for a drive. It would be ludicrous if we all did that. But we need to learn about our cars. Where's the brake? That's a really good question. Where's the accelerator? I wish that people knew where the accelerator was when they're doing less than the speed limit in the right-hand lane on the freeway. I mean, what is that about? I mean, you're doing 10 kilometers an hour underneath the speed limit and you're in the right-hand, the fast lane. And find the accelerator, for goodness sake. The other part, no, I won't go there. I was going to start to get on a bandwagon then. I was going to go somewhere. Uh, indicators. <laughs> indicators. Oh, Jesus, if people knew where their indicators were. As you're turning, like you're at a T-junction, you're waiting to turn left or right, okay? And you're waiting there and you see this car coming towards you and then they just turn around the corner without indicating. What's that about? Find your indicator, people. Windscreen wipers, mirrors, seatbelts. We're taught about basics maintenance of our cars. This is where the petrol goes, teenagers. Do you not even know that they take petrol? <laughs> Ladies, water doesn't go in the oil. Some men. I thought, just, I saved myself then. We actually start out with a learner's permit. And then as we get better, as we practice the skill of driving, we get a probationary license. Then we get our full license. Then we get our racing license. <laughs> it's Bathurst Sunday. Come on. Just as anyone can learn to drive if they apply themselves and practice their skills, anyone can learn the simple practices of making a disciple. So often we tell people to go out and to make a disciple, but we have not equipped them to do that. We've not provided them with the tools that are necessary to go and make disciples. And the arts of spiritual conversations are tools that we need to live a great commission life. So here's your homework for this week. 
I'm going to wind this up so that the team come back. Here's your homework. I want to do four things this week. Number one, I don't know what you've got to do or how you need to go about doing it. You need this book. I got it completely by accident and there's no more left at Kurong. That's how accidental this accidental me catching this book was. You can go on Amazon. You could go through. I, I often get a lot of books through the book, book depository. It's in uh, England, but it's free postage. And the, generally, it's even cheaper than you get it in Australia. Okay? It's the Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations is a book that you need. Second thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to start to notice people. When you've noticed them, just internally, without the person knowing about it, start to pray for that person. What, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this person's life? Listen to the people in and around about you without them knowing about it. The third thing is to invite God to show you people and be attentive to his promptings. Just, just start to notice those people. Then the fourth thing is this. Keep a list of who God prompts you and uh, causes you to notice those people. Just that's it. So get the book. Start to notice, pray and listen to people without them knowing it. Invite God to show you people and be attentive to his promptings. And fourthly is to keep a list of the people that God prompts you to notice. There's specific practices or arts that lead to authentic, ongoing spiritual conversations. With practice and intentionality, we can notice, pray, listen, ask questions, love, welcome, facilitate, serve, and share together to see an increase in meaningful spiritual conversations as a part of our lives. And using these practices, anyone, and I say again, anyone, can engage in evangelism and see people Saved. Video, please. In our culture, we're all so busy, coming and going, lost in our own world. Sometimes we're so busy that we forget to notice what's going on around us, that we forget to ask what's going on with other people, forget to stick around and really listen to the answer. What would happen if we turned off our own agendas what would we notice? What would we hear? How would we love? A lot of us think that making disciples means saying the right stuff. But what if people have questions? What if we're talking so much, we miss the opportunity to have authentic conversations and build relationships? Maybe making disciples is less about what we say and more about what we do to care for other people. After all, that's what Jesus did. He noticed people. He prayed for them. He listened. He asked questions. He loved them. He welcomed. What if we did what Jesus did? What if we practiced the arts of spiritual conversations? 
Let's stand. <clears throat> I'm done. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people today. And it's my prayer that from this moment forward, we make changes to the way that we are engaging with the people in and around about our community. I pray that you'd help us to have those conversations that we need to have with you before we even start this out. I pray that this week, this week, Lord, move upon us, quicken us to what you're wanting us to do. Help us to evaluate what we're doing so far. Is it working? Are we seeing fruit from it? I ask you to help us to see ways of seeing our family and friends saved in Jesus' name. Help us to put into practice the art of noticing people, of praying for them, of listening to what they're saying. Help us to start this process this week. I pray that every single person is inspired to obtain a copy of this book, whether they need to read it or whether they can get it through audible.com and just listen to it that way. I don't know how they're going to do it, but Lord, I, I, I sow a seed. Lord, get this book into their hands so that we can wisely start to practice having conversations with people who don't believe what we believe and who live different from the way that we live with the view of loving them into the kingdom of God and walking through life with them. Father, I pray that you bless us, encourage us today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.